Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting the mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're seeking to take my life, to take it away. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. You shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Whoever escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu shall kill. And whoever escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall kill. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The word of the Lord. I like this setup. It's, it's, it was my choice, so I'm a little biased, but I really like the, the vibe that we have going on right now. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm Toph. I'm the worship director here at Oak Church. Um, we, yeah, I'm just a lover of sound. I think that's a really good way to start. I'm very happy you're here and that we can just hear the word this morning. So we heard that Pete Seeger, Amazing Grace, at the beginning of service. I can't even begin to tell you how much I love that song. I listen to that recording probably like once every month or so in the car, and I just bawl my little eyes out. It's so good. Um, I've, I've waxed poetic to Anna and to my Facebook 11 years ago saying, this is what heaven sounds like. This is like the most clear cut example of what I believe heaven will sound like. There's all these voices singing together. Even with Pete on stage, there's no one in charge. Pete's just merely facilitating. We're all here together. It's like an equality of worship. I think it's really beautiful. This, I think, is another good example we talked about earlier this morning with Chris last week with our Lenten series. Um, the goal of Lent, as we're doing, is, is the five senses this year. And he had a great line last week that was, if you have trouble accessing these, these senses or facilitating with these senses, your neighbor can pick that up for you. The example was you can, the neighbor can hear for you or hear with you or alongside of you. And I think that's, that's kind of what we're going for um, this morning. So the words that we're using is for our Lenten series is it's the embodied ways that we encounter and grow in our awareness and experience of Christ's presence, which is a completely different way to look at Lent um, at least for me, I grew up with Lent being like very much like deny your body, give up sugar, give up, I don't know, bluegrass music, like give up something that you really love to deny your body those things that you can grow closer to God. 
And I just remember that being really reinforced and feeling like my body was really in the way of my relationship with God. And so I'm really looking forward to diving into this series and kind of reclaiming and reconnecting with new ways that we can actually communicate with God through and with our bodies. So again, we recognize that folks might access these senses different ways, unique ways, might have different levels of facilitation with that. Again, this is why it's important for us as a community to see each other, to pay attention. How can we hear for this person or speak or touch or smell or all the different things? How can we do that for each other? Um, and that requires, yeah, paying attention. So this week, we're gonna be focusing on the sense of hearing. And for the purposes of today's message, I wanna like really look at that word hearing first. Yes, it's the way we audibly perceive, maybe God speaking to us, through us, for us. But alongside that, I kinda of wanna look at it as more of a paying attention, like you're listening intently to something. You're looking, in a way, for something, but you're doing it with your, your ears, your mind. So this morning, the question is, how can we better hear the ways that God is speaking to us? Our scripture passage this morning, it's got the classic like Hobby Lobby Bible thing, like the still small voice of God. Um, also, side note, who has the leggings cup of coffee? The leggings cup? Who's got it? We got it up here? That's, that's the cup. This is like a cool cup. It's got like the word leggings, eat, pray, love kind of thing on it. That is like the still small voice can be kind of distilled into this like greeting card, put it up on your like man cave or your girl cave wall, whatever it is. But we're gonna dive a little bit more into that. So Elijah, God's prophet over Israel, this is in the time leading up to the exile. So things are going really bad. God keeps sending people after people to go talk to the Israelites to bring them back to loving God and God's ways. But as we can see in our own times, that's really kind of hard to maintain. There's a lot of ebbs and flows going on with that. And Elijah, he was a big, successful prophet. Like, he was the guy. I'm going to name my son Elijah. Like, that's, he's my hero. He's so great. Uh, in the story that, that Brody read earlier, we're coming fresh off. Elijah had this big victory over the priests of Baal on Mount Carmel. Um, I don't, if you know that story, it's really cool. I encourage you to go back and read it. It involves, you know, big altars of soaked wood and God coming down in the fire and lighting all the fires, and it's great. Um, choir nerd, Mendelssohn. Any choir nerds in here? There's Mendelssohn's Elijah. I sang that in college. So very, you're very embodied in that, too. I think it's really fun. But after all this big victory, this big, dramatic, crazy thing that Elijah just did with God, he's scared. Jezebel, one of the queens of Israel, um, along with the kings there, um, she was the big reason that Baal was in Israel in the first place. She kind of instituted the worship practices of that, a big, big no-no. And so after the defeat of Baal, she threatens Elijah, God's prophet. Yes, Yahweh just won, but if you come back here, I'm going to do what you just did to us. I'm going I'm I'm to get you. Understandably, Elijah is very afraid. So he runs. He runs into the wilderness. He goes and hides. He's afraid of his life, afraid for his life even. So where does a guy like that go? He's, he's the guy. He's like, he is the Moses of his time. He's performing all these miracles. He, he's scared. Maybe like uh, Moses is fleeing Egypt. We're going out. So where do we end up? Elijah chooses to go to Mount Horeb. And in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, 
Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. This is, of course, the same mountain where Moses went up, got the Ten Commandments from God. This is also where Moses went up and he saw the glory of God. Like He actually saw the presence of God walk by, but it was so, it was so overwhelmingly, blindingly crazy that the kid had to be hid in a rock and he could only see like the little backside pass by. Maybe it's like the edge of his shirt. And that was enough to make Moses' face just explode in dazzling light. He had to cover it when he was talking to his people. That's how big this was. So Mount Sinai, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to get straight. I'm going to go maybe receive my, my new commands. Maybe I'll see God. Either way, I feel like I need to go there. So says Elijah. He ends up in this little cave. I imagine at the base of the mountain. And he takes a nap. He's going to go climb it the next day, maybe. And then the Bible says, a voice came to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I really like struggle with that question. I wonder, like, what am I doing here? Like, what are, what am I, what are you doing here? All these problems are going on in your life. Toph, what are you doing here? What's going on? But I think God here maybe is more, maybe like a Jonah kind of comment. Like, what are you doing here? I'm in charge. I just proved everything to you. You have nothing to worry about. You're scared of these one little people. I'm going to get you. We're going to take care of you. You're going to be fine. Just calm down. Well, Elijah says, listen, I've done what you need me to do. I've told all your people how much you're great, and I love you, and we love you, and we want to follow your covenant. We want to be with you. But they burn down your altars. They, they see your display of power. They just won't listen. They're killing all my other friends, all the other prophets. It's just me now. I'm alone. What do I do? Well, God says, all right, we'll take care of this. Why don't you come up the mountain? I'm going to pass by. I'm going to show you my presence. Whoa. Elijah's probably terrified. The last person who saw God's presence on that mountain, of course, was Moses. This big, dazzling thing that we're told, if you even look at God, you're done. You'll, you'll die. It's too much. You can't take it all in. But at the same time, Elijah needs that comfort. He needs to go see God. So he goes up on top of the mountain, just like Moses. All right, what happens next is fascinating. He's going up there. Moses, the guy who was led by the pillar of fire at night, the cloud of smoke during the day, these big miraculous things of God. And what is he? A whirlwind. A whirlwind comes. It's splitting the mountains. It's breaking the rocks, this strong, powerful wind. That's the God that Elijah knows. But God's not in the whirlwind. There's an earthquake. The mountains are shaking. The ground is opening up. Everything is going crazy, but God wasn't in that earthquake. And then a fire breaks out. Maybe the ground swallows up and spits out fire, and everything's going crazy, and God, maybe Elijah's going, ah, finally, God's here. He says that he puts, maybe he goes and he hides in the cave. The scripture says, at the next thing, he comes out of his cave to hear something. We're not quite there yet. Maybe Elijah's scared. The earthquake, the whirlwind, the fire send him back in the cave to hide. He doesn't want to be around for the, maybe something big is coming next. So he goes and he hides in the cave. After the fire, God's not in the fire. The NRSV that we read earlier says there's a sound of sheer silence. And the King James calls this a still, small voice. 
I really love, first of all, that these translations say that silence has a sound. I think that's really important. This quiet, small, silent voice says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah's probably like, you told me to come up here. I'm, I'm here. Here we go. Like you said, like you're going to pass in front of me. I'm waiting for you. But instead, he says the same exact thing he said earlier. He says, I'm scared. I'm alone. I'm trying. God gives an unexpected answer. He says, all right, Elijah, I got you. Not only are you going to live long enough to go replace all those kings that are after you, all the ones you're scared of, you're going to be the one to anoint the successor. You're going to live long enough to even replace your own self with another prophet named Elisha. Kind of a dig. Elisha is going to replace you, but you're going to be the one to go do that. You are so safe. Not only that, there's going to be 7,000, thousands and thousands of Israelites that still haven't bowed to Baal. You most certainly are not alone. That's the good news in this one. Praise God. So I don't know if you do this, but I always tend to look for God in the big dramatic things, like whirlwind, earthquakes, fires kind of things. That seems like the safest bet. So sticking with our theme of hearing, we're going to listen to a little bit of music here for a second. I expect to find God in big places, and it might sound something like this. That's, that's the God that I know. That's the big bombastic thing that I'm used to. I'm used to the pillar of fire. I'm used to the cloud of smoke. That's where I expect God to show up. That was Mahler Symphony 2, by the way. There's like a hundred and something people on stage just like playing everything as loud as they can. Just go, go, go. And that's maybe what Elijah expected God to show up in. But... It's not that like God wasn't present in the earthquakes or in the fire or in the whirlwind. God's omnipresent after all. God is everywhere at all times. Maybe it's just that God's presence at that time, it wasn't revealed in an expected big kind of way. So when Elijah felt God's presence that day, let's do this all together. I can tell you, it sounded exactly like this. Do you hear that? This is the sound that Elijah heard and said, ah, God's here, finally. Just like that. Bit of music nerd fun again. Does anyone here know John Cage's four minutes and 33 seconds? Yeah, raise your hands if you do. It's so pretentious, I love it. Okay, so what it is, 
it's just four minutes and 33 seconds of pure silence. The sheet music, I love, it's got three movements. Silence. You can play it however you want on any instrument. And it's just like a bar of rest, and it just says hold for four minutes and 33 seconds. When I was in college and I first heard this piece, I was a music major, um, also very pretentious in my 20s, listening to John Cage. Um, someone played this for the first time at a recital. I didn't know what this was. I didn't know what the point was. I didn't know that it was maybe tongue-in-cheek or maybe on purpose. But by the end of it, much like this Pete Seeger song, I was crying. Just beautiful. Just like, whoa, what is going on? For some reason, it clicked with me. So with John Cage, yeah, it's kind of nerdy. It's kind of silly, tongue-in-cheek. But one of the big reasons he wrote this piece was he wanted to prove that there's no such thing as absolute silence. There's just not. Maybe even in the vacuum of space, there's no silence. So I've got a, a slide here, Matt. This is um, Microsoft, the computer company. They wanted to prove this as well. And so we got a picture of this room here. This is this room. It's called the anechoic chamber. It's the most silent place on the planet. So all the panels are designed to bounce sound off just enough where there's no natural noise. It's bananas. And it's terrifying. So people go in there. No one has lasted more than an hour in this room. People are like, I saw something. And it's like, no, you heard something. There's, there's no natural noise. There's no, there's just nothing. It's dead. It's so quiet that after the first few minutes, you begin to hear your heart beating. And then the crazy part, a couple minutes later, you literally hear your bones like creaking on each other, like your joints rubbing up against each other. And then a few minutes later, I love this article. It was like a Reuters, Forbes, all the big articles on this. They use the words, and then you can hear your stomach churning. Do an hour of that? Yo, I'm done. I'm done. Get me out. My body makes enough noises. I don't need to go hear it. But the, the, the articles kind of hinted this. There's like a weird feedback loop after a while. You're so focused on the silence that you can only hear your own body that it kind of like loops into this weird, just high-pitched kind of noise that just you just can't get it out. Your body literally starts to feedback loop on itself. So even just now, sitting in this room, let's listen to another silence again. There's still ambient noise. There's chairs squeaking. We can hear the kids down the hall. The speakers buzzing. Chairs squeaking. Nothing. That's, that's what we call silence, right? But there's still stuff happening. Yeah, we just can't be silent. There's just no... Maybe you'll start to hear your own heart beating, your own stomach churning. It's just there. But I think that's the cool part. Silence is going to sound different to everybody. Maybe you focus on a certain thing. When I was listening to that piece in college, I was focused. There was this light that was just going, crying. This is so beautiful. This is intentional. God is beautiful. He's in the silence. You can't escape God. So, okay. Before we get ahead of ourselves, let's keep riding the music train. We've had the big whirlwind moments. We've had the big fiery pillar of fire, God. 
we've had the still small voice, the silent. Okay, so we've had the silent moment. Elijah knows God is here. He does this. He like puts his shirt over his face to go outside in the cave when he hears the silence. God is here. And the first thing he hears is God's voice. It's still, it's small, it's comforting, it's reassuring, it's controlled. And here's a little clip. This meant to be what it sounded like. this voice. I'm not fearful of it. I'm not intimidated by it. It's pretty gentle. It's pretty calm. This is the kind of voice that I hope that God speaks to me at the end of a long, hard week. But if you want to discern or hear or pay attention to that small, still voice, it requires some intentionality. Now, I'm not sure about you. Shot in the dark, my weeks are super busy. Very stressful. Does anyone else have stressful, busy weeks? Of course we do. Even in the silence, there's ambient noise. There's always stress in the weeks. So being in seminary, I'm either reading 10 books at once, I'm writing 10 papers at once, or I'm thinking about writing 10 papers and reading 10 books at once. It's awful. It's just this weird feedback loop. I can't stand in that for more than an hour, and I go crazy. I just can't do it. It's this loud voice, this loud noise. Sometimes I get sensory overload anxiety. There's too much going on. There's so much noise. My dad would call it loud, repetitive noises. But I'm like, loud, repetitive noises? I can't take it. I got to go. I got to be done. I got to get out of here. Take me out of this room. Take me to bed. Turn off all the noise. Turn off the lights. Take a deep breath. Count to 10. If that doesn't work, I count to 10 again. And I count to 10. Sometimes it takes 10 seconds. Sometimes it takes a couple minutes. Eventually, after a while, I calm down and I'm back in my body. Listening for God requires similar tools, I think. Maybe God is speaking to you in the whirlwind moments, the big dramatic kind of moments, the noisy moments where we come to God with the same troubles as Elijah. I'm trying, but I'm scared. I'm alone. Maybe sometimes we expect God to show up in the earthquake or in a pillar of fire. This is the God who gets things done after all, right? Bring on the resolution. Let's go. But what if God is speaking to us in that still, small voice, the quiet voice that says, I got you. Trust me. It can be really hard to hear that with so many distractions. But what in those silent moments where we don't hear God, we don't hear God's voice. We wonder, is God there? Is God real? Is God present here at all? Am I worthy of being made present to God? I have those moments all the time. But friends, as I read scripture this week, as I've been dwelling on this, as we all know, the good news is God is always with us. We are never truly alone. Even in that silence, that lack of presence, there's the ambient noise of God's presence. There's the kid playing down the hall. 
There is the hum of the speaker. There's the churning of your guts. God is with you. You can't escape it. That's, that's bananas. That's so crazy. All we have to do is just slow down, listen, and pay attention. God's here right now. So as you go throughout your week this week, we've been talking about different spiritual practices. We're going to keep continuing that series and this, that theme in Lent, um, different ways to access God through these kind of exercises. Something I'd love for you to try, this is, I've been trying to do this myself. It's more challenging, but it's, it's, I think it's going to be really good. If you're able or you're comfortable, go on a walk, go on a hike, somewhere noisy, somewhere quiet. Let's start with quiet. Pay attention. Listen. Where is God's voice in that? Is God speaking to you? As you do this walk, I want you to just dwell on these words. It's from Psalm 46. Just be still and know that I am God. That's the ball game. Just those words. Just walk around with that. Dwell on that. Hear God. If you're adventurous, you can do this in the noisy places, too. You can go to the mall. You can go to South Point, sit by the fountain. You can go to the grocery store. People love when you go sit down in the aisles in the grocery store and just meditate. <laughs> if that's unreasonable, I'm sure our houses are just as noisy as these grocery stores. We've got kids. We've got noises. We've got distractions. It's me playing Mahler at 10 o'clock last night. Like, listen to this. This is cool. It's just loud. But also, too, pay attention. Find a place, be still, be in the noise, but be still. Elijah's surrounded by the earthquake, the whirlwinds, the fires, and then that voice amidst that is quiet. Be still and know that I am God. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us, search, you'll find, knock, and the door will be open for you. So friends, know that whether we listen for God in the silent searching or the noisy knocking, God is waiting for us. And if someone in your community maybe needs a little help hearing that voice, offer your ears. Offer your attention. And in this way, we'll all catch our breath, and then we can get on with singing. Look, family, will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the gift of our bodies and for the many ways you speak to us in and through them, we ask that you open our ears that we may better hear your voice in the whirlwinds, the earthquakes, and the fires, but also in the sound of sheer silence. Continue to draw us closer to you where we may find rest. Be still and know that you are God. Amen. <laughs>